a thriving church. It's just fantastic. Last Sunday, Jonathan got up here and asked, uh, we needed a microwave and a sofa bed for a family. And guess what? We got a microwave. In fact, we, were, we, we got two. And we were given money for a family to buy a sofa bed. So thank you, church. We're, we're really a generous church. And um, we also asked for a bus driver to drive um, uh, some of our young people down to the ESA uh, camp that was on this week. And we got a bus driver as well. And I, and I, I just also want to honour Robert and Renata Bond, who are here this morning, because they were camp mum and dad down at ESA, that ESA camp last week. So let's give them a round of applause as well. Good on you guys. Fantastic. It's really great. Um, and because you're so generous, Warren and I actually would love a jacuzzi for our house. <laughs> if, if anyone out there would like to donate a jacuzzi, we haven't got one. So that, that would be absolutely fantastic. Sorry? <laughs> oh, okay. Put your orders in at the information desk. <laughs> Okay, tonight's message, I'm going to be speaking on uh, what would Jesus say to injustice in the church. We've been doing a whole uh, group of series of an evening on apologetics, the reason why uh, non-believers find it difficult to trust Christianity and to come to faith. Um, and next Sunday evening, Jonathan's going to be speaking on what would Jesus say about relationships and and in those relationships he's going to be covering um, some challenging topics such as homosexuality, sex before marriage etc. So nothing wrong with coming to church twice on a Sunday guys and girls, nothing wrong with that. Um, Also um, we're going to be starting next Monday evening, so it's not this Monday, but the following um, growth groups. It's going to be for a whole term, from term two to the, um, the start of, sorry, we're in term three, aren't we? Term three. Boy, where is the year going? And, and that's for uh, anyone that's really interested in becoming a leader of a small group, or perhaps you are a leader of a small group and you would get no better Uh, training. It's completely and thoroughly comprehensive on Monday evenings with Mandy looking at um, how to be equipped to lead a small group. Uh, This coming Thursday morning as well from 9.30 till 12 here at the church, Joan and her team are putting on a um, craft uh, morning for kids. And uh, your information, it's for parents and kids' information is in the bulletin about that. That's the first time we're attempting that. And I just think that's a great thing that um, you could bring your your kids along to and even friends, uh, children's friends as well. Also, lots of things on, isn't there? (laughs) Lots of things happening in our church. Also, this Tuesday from 2 to 5, this happens every year. There's a group of uh, university students that meet out at the Hume Weir uh, and um, they have a, a conference for the week. And as part of that conference, they actually go around uh, Wodonga and Albury and do a door knock and actually present the gospel. So they knock on houses in this region and really just ask people about Jesus. Do they know Jesus? Do they want to know Jesus? And every year we've had the results of those surveys and follow-up people that have indicated, yes, they would like more information. Um, And so could you please be praying particularly for those young people this coming Tuesday from 2 till 5. Because that's um, a fairly major undertaking. And um, the devil would love that to not go well, but God is greater than the devil. So um, let's be praying for them. Also, um, last Tuesday, quite a number of us went down to Melbourne and attended the funeral for um, Gary Piper. And it was just 
very inspiring. Um, I think it's the, the same old thing. You learn more about someone often when they die than you do when they're alive. And Gary was just a remarkable, godly man who served God so faithfully. And he had a full military funeral. I've never been to a military funeral before, but it was uh, very solemn, but, but very dignified and um, just really greatly honoured this godly man. So please keep praying for Rosie and Sam and Michael and Liz as they come to terms with their loss. Um, Bob Saville is back this week too and Bob's had, had a week and a half, nearly two weeks in hospital recovering from pneumonia. So we really welcome you back here today, Bob. It's great to see you in the church. And lastly, um, don't forget it's still not too late to register for our Life Force programs, our marriage course, our man-to-man, our woman-to-woman course. And later on in August, we'll be telling you about another program, Business by the Book, which will be starting in August. Hey, in your news sheet, you've been given a blue card and uh, we want you, you could start filling that out even throughout, you know, now if you wanted to. And that'll be collected um, a bit later on. But our blue cards are indispensable to following up people, prayer requests, um, yeah, indicating, you know, needs. So please um, remember those. Now I'm going to hand you over to Jonathan. Is that right? Sorry? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm just going to pray. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for the fact that you are here in our midst and you are present this morning. Lord, we love you. We want to honour you this morning. We want to praise you. We want to come before you in awe, in worship, in majesty, and just say, Lord, you are everything to us. Let us abandon self. Let us abandon our cares. Let us abandon our worries just for this time here this morning and instead join in joyful praise, in joyful celebration of the almighty God that you are. Lord, we just thank you for this church. We thank you for each other. We thank you that your hand is on this church and you truly love this church. You truly love your people in this church and you truly desire that this church will grow and go on to be more and more a light and a beacon for you in this community, Lord. And we pray with everything that we have that you will continue to empower us, guide us, strengthen us, and, and give us a fire and a passion within our heart and soul that we can be your disciples in, in where you have placed us in this community of Albury-Wodonga. In your holy name we pray. Amen. It's just great to be together this morning and it's just wonderful to see how God continues to work in the midst of us. Um, isn't it amazing as you look around the room uh, together to see that God has been individually at work in our lives as we've responded to his calling, um, to him saying, come follow me and look who he's put together here. We're his church, we're his people. And it's just wonderful to be in a family and to be able to read God's word and pray and seek to live each day not on our own. Wouldn't it be terrible to be on your own just trying to follow Jesus without anyone else? But he's placed us together in his family. And I'm so excited. You know what's happening next Sunday night? There's three people that are going to be baptised. We've got Josh Docking and Kylie uh, Brown as well as Sylvia McDowell and the three of those will be baptised. One's I think about 20 and one's well over 50. That's right, Sylvia, isn't it? <laughs> so, but, but people declaring their faith in Jesus Christ next Sunday night. Today, uh, we could welcome 14 new members, but 
they all couldn't be here this morning because of school holidays. But we're so pleased to welcome these people. So as I call out your name, if you would just come up to here, up the front, that would be great. Christine Gray. Uh, Chris and Marianne Walmarens. And they've got their kids too. Um, so I think that's Louis, Paula and Fritz as well. So you're welcome to come up too. Come right up. And then uh, Eliza Adamthwaite is here as well. Clement Oguchi as well. And Danelle Philby as well. Great. Yeah, all come right up. Don't be embarrassed. Look at poor Christine all by herself here. <laughs> there we go. Come right, right along here, great. It's great. And there's, oh, there's Eliza as well. Well, we, we just want to say to you, as a church, we just want to say, welcome. It's just great that you have become part of this family, that you've said, this is my church, this is where I want to worship. Now, some of you have all got different stories, but just to be able to have put your faith in Christ, been baptised and said, hey, I want to become a member of this church here. Uh, is such an encouragement to us. We, we just feel so thrilled. We get to serve with you and we get to encourage each other and we get to grow together. And we just want to say how pleased we are. God's been at work in bringing us all together and welcome. We do want to say welcome. So as we're here, let's pray. And we're going to pray now that God's spirit would just continue to lead you and help you to grow and to thrive and become all that God intended to you to be, and that we would be a great encouragement in that, and that as you are part of our family together, that God would be glorified. Let's pray, shall we? God, we're just so thankful for these people standing in front of us. We thank you, God, that you have been working in their hearts, and that you've been drawing them together, just like you've been drawing us all together. God, we thank you for Clement, Lord, for Christine, for Eliza, for Chris, for Marianne. Lord, we thank you for Danelle. We thank you for the kids that are here as well. And God, we just thank you so much that you have called them, made them your own, and placed them in this family here. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would empower them and strengthen them for each and every day. God, we pray that you'd help them to have all the wisdom and understanding to cry out to you for everything that they face. And God, we pray for us that we would be a great encouragement alongside of them, spurring them on, and that together we would grow here as your church. Lord Jesus, help them to thrive, each and every one. Help them to thrive as they look to you and realise that true growth comes only through knowing you and loving you. And God, we pray that through them and through their witness, others would come to know you also. Oh God, be glorified through them and through us as a church family. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we welcome them? God bless you guys. <laughs> Wonderful. And it's wonderful to share together around the table as God's family. Um, we've been looking together at Jesus' statement At the statements, rather, that John makes about Jesus in the Gospel of John. You remember last week as we looked at the passage and we see that John was there and he looked at Jesus. And do you remember what he said and declared about Jesus? Anyone remember what he said? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And last week we, we remembered, and I think it's good to reflect as we come here, that the central truth of the Christian faith is that Jesus is the substitute. 
He's, he died so that we don't have to. He is the substitute in our place, taking our death, our punishment, our penalty, so that we don't have to die. He's called the substitutionary atoner in theological terms. And, and what we remember as we come around the table is that when Adam and Eve sinned, God allowed an animal to be killed instead of them. Remember Abraham as he lifted up the knife before his own son on the altar, Isaac. God provided a lamb instead, a substitute. Remember in Exodus where the Egyptians and the Israelite people were together and God said, because of your sin against me, I'm going to come and pass over every home. But you can take a lamb and you can kill that lamb and you can put the blood on the door frames. And if you have killed the lamb, I will pass over your home. And we can just imagine the thankfulness that filled the hearts of dads as they held on to their firstborn son in the morning, realised that the Lord had passed over their house because they obeyed and killed a lamb. And yet to those who had said, God would never do that kind of thing, he doesn't really care that much about sin, we'll, just, we'll be right. The grief they must have had holding their dead firstborn son, saying, I just wish we'd allowed the lamb to take the penalty, to take the place. And then... The amazing passage in Isaiah 53 that describes one who would come. The prophet writes, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. Then the writer says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep, before her shearers is silent. He did not open his mouth. And so many years later, John looks at Jesus and says, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Christian faith, it, at its very core, is the shed blood of our Saviour. Jesus dying on the cross says that God hates sin, that sin must be punished, that sin must be dealt with. But it also says that God loves you. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As we come around this table, the invitation is for all who believe in Jesus, all who have received him as the Lamb of God who has taken away your sin. If you by faith have responded and put your trust in Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who died in your place, then drink and eat today celebrating that your sins are paid in full. A substitute has happened in your life. If you're here for the first time today and you don't know what all this means, that's okay. But we'd urge you to find out. 
Read more about who Jesus is. Read more about who he said he was and what he's come to do. Because in this gathering, in this truth that Christ is the substitutionary lamb, the one that died in our place, and in him there is forgiveness and freedom and that we can be one and know God again because of his death. There's truth. There's hope. There's good news. So... You who have put your faith in Jesus, come and eat. Come and remember with thankfulness that someone died in your place. God himself in the flesh came and took your sin and you are marvellously forgiven. Let's pray as Warren leads us. Thanks, Warren. Let's pray. Thank you for the Lamb of God. Father, we come before you this morning and we give you all the honour and praise for the life you give us through the death of your Son. As we take this bread, we remember your body sacrificed for us, beaten and nailed to the cross. And as you take this cup, we remember how your blood was spilled and shed for us. Father, as we do this, as we take these elements, may we contemplate and give thanks for your sacrifice, your gift to us. Your death took away our sin, and now each and every one of us has the opportunity to fullness of life and the opportunity for eternal life with you. We give thanks for your Lamb, in Jesus Christ. Amen. As you are now served in a moment. It would just be great as, 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 you've, as you've served, would turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1 and we'll uh, read today's reading. John chapter 1 and from verse 35 to 42. The next day... John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means Teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And we uh, trust and pray that God would speak to us as we look at this passage this morning. I wonder um, this morning, uh, I often get a little bit uh, wondering or even verging on the verge of, of worry when I think about the world today. Some of the things that go through my mind is there's 6.7 billion people in this world. 6.7 billion people in our world. And we want people to become followers of Jesus. And, and I often think to myself, how on earth, God, are we going to actually help people uh, become Christians, become followers of Christ? I, I get a bit anxious about it and I, and I worry about it almost. You know, I start to think about it regularly and it starts to really play 
on my mind. And, and when I think about it, there's like almost 7 billion people. And in that 7 billion, there are some who are Christians, people who go to church regularly, who, who say they love Jesus. And then when I look at the 7 billion and then I look at the people that are Christians and I think out of those people, so many of those Christians have accepted what it means to be a follower of Christ is to regularly come to church but perhaps never feel that part of that is sharing their faith with others or helping others become followers of Jesus. So, so not only do we have like 7 billion people almost in the world, but we have out of the Christians in there, many that are never really thinking about leading others to Christ. Do you get what I mean? And then I think about that. I think not only is that, if that weren't bad enough, that there's so many and then there's so many of the people that are Christians aren't urgently thinking or thinking about how we can lead others to Christ, but there also seems to be a growing hostility in the world towards Christians. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I, I just think looking around, there seems to be a growing hostility. I use that word, you know, not just flippantly, but, but some of the ways, and these are just some random thoughts, and, you know, I'm not saying these are emphatic, you know, this is a proof of this, but I, I just guess that sometimes we're seeing more of it in different ways. You know, I think there are some Christian schools today that are being challenged about whether they have the right or whether they should be able to receive funding uh, if they don't, if, if they are preaching or, sorry, teaching in their schools about creation instead of evolution. Now, look, many Christians have different views on those things. I'm not trying to argue those points, but what I'm saying is it seems that what used to be something that was quite acceptable for Christian schools to do it is now becoming a condition of future funding, it seems. And I think, wow, things are starting to change a little bit. It seems the world becoming more hostile to Christians. It, it just seems that way to me. And, and then uh, this is the Bill of Rights is starting. If you, we've put in our news sheet a number of times about the Australian Christian lobby and what they've been saying, how we can you know, voice our opinion on that. And we can all have different opinions, but it just seems to me that if we start to talk a lot about a Bill of Rights and, and then we appoint judges to determine whether people's rights have been violated and the judges then are the ones that make the decisions on that, then we start to wonder, well, what do the judges believe about so many different issues that might be moral? And then I look at America and Canada and other places and think, is this the best way to go? And sometimes I wonder to have a judge to decide what's right rather than elected people. And I don't know, I just think, I think, is it a time where there's a shift that's happening a little bit more? Sometimes it comes out so... Uh, clearly the hostility towards Christians. Um, at the Miss USA 2000 pageant, there was Miss California was one of the finalists in, in that show and as it was all a con, you know, filled place and she was in her swimsuit answering questions from the floor. Uh, one man called Perez Hilton, who's a, a gay activist in, in America, sort of put up his hand and said, did you realise that one state has passed... Uh, laws legalising uh, gay marriage. And he said to this lady, he said, would you, be, uh, would you be pleased if these laws were brought about in the state of California? Now, a hot question right in front of everyone, right towards the end of the finals. And she said, do you know, I think it's great that people have different opinions and uh, are quite able to have different opinions. But she said, when it comes to, to my beliefs, I believe that marriage should be between a husband and a, a man and a woman. And she said, and that's what I believe and that's what I think is best for our country. Now, there's nothing hostile about that response, is there? But the response that it drew, uh, many people uh, have, have said such hostility came from the man who asked the question in his blogs. He's saying, you stupid, you know, and, and volatile hatred coming through. And she was on the front, you know, of the primetime interview saying, you know, look, I had a choice whether I'd be popular or whether I'd be biblical is how she put it. And yet she wasn't promoting anything, but just to have a different view from what is seen to be coming more and more 
of, you know, a tolerance, but cloaked in hatred if you stand up against what we all think should be happening. Are you with me there? I think it's a growing hatred that, that might be happening. So I'm sitting here thinking, 7 billion out of the Christians, you know, some of them just think coming to church is okay and we, and we don't really need to have an impact on others around us or they're not urgent or thinking about that. And then there's this growing hostility and I start to think, God, how can we make a difference? How can we actually help people come to know Christ and follow him? And then added to that anxiety is the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 now. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you realise, I know there are people that are older and younger and everyone's in between. I'm not saying 40 is old. You know, it's young. 40 is the new 30, isn't it? <laughs> but, but with each and every passing day becomes less and less of an opportunity for me in my life to help others follow Jesus. You know, I determined uh, about five, six years ago, I sat down and wrote down what my mission statement would be, you know, what I'd really love. And, and I have a, just this picture of at my funeral, people saying, well, the one thing about Jonathan is he helped me come to know Jesus more. And not only that, my kids have come to know Jesus because Jonathan helped me come to know Jesus. And now look at the difference it's made in not only my family but their family and other families. I would just love that to happen. But with each and every passing day, uh, there's this feeling uh, within me of an urgency for that to happen. And the exciting thing is I know that it's not just me that feels this way. I know so many of you feel that way too. I know so many of you would long to see your friends and your family start to follow Jesus. I know so many of you are praying and longing for that to happen. And the big question that keeps coming in my mind is, God, how can we do this? How can we make a greater impact? How can we do it more? And I know that for all of us here, we, we would love to see more of people in Wodonga and Albury and in our country come to know Jesus more and more. And yet the questions that keep coming is, why aren't we making a difference? How could, we, how could, how could this be done better? How could we as... God, your church that's longing for this to happen, how, how could it happen? And today as we open God's word and we look, I think the answers are just so simple and so clear of what God would say to a church or to individuals like you and me that are just longing to see others come to know Jesus. And I think he's got things to say to us as a church and he's got things to say to you and me about how we can live our lives to respond. So, so what does it say here in God's word? If you have it with us, if have it with you, open. It begins and it says the next day, the next day, John was there once again. And I imagine maybe he was here like this with a couple of his disciples there with him. Maybe there were more disciples, but it says that he was there with two of his disciples. And now we know from a little later on in the passage that one of the disciples was Andrew. Uh, Andrew, the brother of Simon, who becomes Simon Peter. And so Andrew is one of the disciples that's there. And now uh, many people believe, and it's quite, I think it's quite a, a good uh, belief, is that the other disciple was John. John the Evangelist, the one who wrote the Gospel of John. Because right through the Gospel, John doesn't identify himself but refers to the, you know, the, the disciple who Jesus loved or you know, it refers to him without directly naming him. And here in this passage, there are some sort of eyewitness things that make it seem like there was Andrew and John the Evangelist there with John the Baptizer who was standing with his disciples. And then this mysterious figure in the Gospel of John walks by. Who, who walks by? Jesus. Jesus parks, passes them by. So they're sitting here talking, you know, just the day before he'd said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The next day they're there, he's talking with his disciples and right past them, just like you would have thought he would have come up and said, g'day, John, I'm Jesus, you know, g'day, guys, how are you? But this mysterious figure Jesus just walks right by and John 
turns, sees Jesus walking by and says, look, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Now, when the two disciples heard John saying this, what they did was they got up and they followed him and they started walking right along. One of the reasons I think uh, I get anxious about our world is that so many leaders today are unlike John. Just in this little passage here, this little, these few verses that we've just read here says so much about who John was and his character. And I think Christian leaders today, small group leaders today, youth group leaders today, kids church leaders today should take note of John because John's sitting there with his disciples and they weren't slouches, these disciples. You know, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, you know, Andrew was going to be one of Jesus' disciples. He's filled with potential. And next to him is John, the one who would actually write the gospel that we're reaching. We think it was him. And and, and he would be the one that would write John's gospel, you know, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Revelation. And you think, this guy is filled with incredible potential. And John's been walking around with these fantastic disciples following him. And then Jesus walks by and John doesn't say, look, guys, uh, come here, I've got more things to show you. You know, don't go following Jesus, stay here. Now, John realises that the purpose of his leadership, the purpose of his ministry, the very calling of what he came to do was to point people to Jesus. And for these two great disciples to just get up and walk away brought delight, I would imagine, to John. He let them go and he said, up we go, off you go. I think it's a challenge for each of us to ask yourself, what is your life about in ministry? Maybe some of you here today are small group leaders, you know, and, and you're thinking, I'm trying to help. What am I trying to do in my small group? Well, the goal would not be to have a good study. The goal would not be to get people to do this or to do that or to do this. The goal would be to help people follow Jesus and grow more and more. And if you want to assess yourself as a small group leader this morning, how much am I helping, encouraging people growing in following Jesus? As a a youth group leader, you know, the question that would not be is, did we have a really fun night? Obviously, fun's great. Did a lot of kids getting to know each other better? That's important too. But if you were actually to assess the effectiveness of youth group ministry, a great thing would to be, am I helping these young people follow Jesus? We could say the same for, for kids' church. We could say the same for, if you, if you want to look at me and assess how I am going as the pastor of the church is to say, how is Jonathan helping me and us grow to love Jesus more? That is the thing. I don't want you to become someone who just does what I say or, you know, obeys because I'm trying to build numbers and do all that. (laughs) No, the effectiveness of my ministry of your ministry, of each of our ministries, is seen in how much we help people grow to love Jesus, to let them go. So when Phil came to me, Phil Weeks, you remember Phil Weeks? We haven't forgotten him yet, have we? <laughs> when he came to me, he said, Jono, you know, I'm thinking, thinking that might, God might be leading me back to Alexandra. <gasps> My heart's going, oh, Phil, woo! Phil, if this is what God's saying, we want to help you do that because there might be that God has got the most incredible things to do in your life. It's, it's about you following Jesus and me following Jesus and if, if that means that you need to go there, that's fine. We love you. We'll help that happen. You see the difference? John just lets two of his best go following Jesus and so should every single one of us not try and build our own empire but help Lead people to Jesus. Help lead people to Jesus in whatever you're doing. I think that just sets the stage for the start of this whole looking through these passages, these first verses, just so John, show John so clearly saying, 
He's Jesus. He's the one you should follow. And so they start following. And I guess as Jesus was walking around, walking along, he must have sensed someone following him. You reckon? Just sort of sense the, there's some little sounds behind and things are happening. So this passage says that he turned around. He's uh, turning around. Jesus saw them following him and he just asked them, what do you want? What do you want? What are you following me for? And, and it's an interesting question, isn't it? But why on earth should I follow Jesus? Why should anyone follow Jesus? And I think many people are answering it. You know, out of the seven billion, the ones that are Christians and don't think about others coming to know Jesus and helping them follow, I think by not having that concern, you answer that question yourself. You think, what do you want? Well, other people's lives wouldn't be better by following Jesus. So I won't share my faith. Uh, by the fact of saying, I'm just going to keep it for myself, is saying, it's good for me, but I don't think it would help those other people that much. Do you hear what I'm saying there? What, here, Jesus asks, what do you want? And I think many Christians say, well, I want God to look after my needs, but I really don't believe that he, this is so life-changing that I should share this with others. I think the question that Jesus asks us is, very, is, is important. And the disciples could have said, we want to know theologically if you are the Lamb of God and we want to know what that all means and how it fits in theologically. Well, they could have asked, you know, uh, any other sort of questions that were theological or, or analytical kind of questions. They could have said, we want to we know whether you can help meet this need or that need with us. But you notice that they didn't say that. They said rabbi, which means teacher. And they said, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Now, they kind of, I think John's doing an interesting thing here as he says that because the word staying uh, in the Greek means remaining or abiding. You know, where's, where's your abode? Where, where are you living? Where are you staying? And here, uh, I think what, what, what John would want us to catch is that there was, right through John's gospel, you know, right up in John 15, remember it says, remain in me or abide in me. Uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, if you remain in me and my word remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Well, I, I think here's a call to come and uh, uh, remain and abide and come and see. So they long to actually find out where he's remaining, where he's abiding, where he's living. I want to know more about you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to come to know who you are and where you stay and, and get to know you more. And Jesus just said, come and you'll see. Come and you'll see. Two things this morning when it comes to being followers of Jesus. The first one is come and see. Come and see. Jesus calls people to come and have fellowship with him, to come and know him, to abide and to, and to get to see him and to know him and to become his friend and to receive his love and forgiveness and to receive all that he offers to us, to know him. You see, uh, faith, Christianity is much less about rules as it is about relationship with Jesus. It's much, uh, much more about a person rather than a program. And I think some of the times why we struggle so much to take other people is we kind of try and win them to the church or win them to this program or win them to Calvinism or Arminianism or charismatic or non-charismatic or hymns or chorus. You know, we kind of say, let's, let's sort of water it all down. But actually it's about coming to Jesus and getting to know him and love him. And have a relationship with him. So Jesus just says, come and see. Come and see where I'm abiding, where I'm remaining. Come and see. And then the passage just says, so they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Now, time in, in that period... Uh, the Jewish uh, recording of time went from 6 a.m. in the morning, daylight, sort of to 
darkness at night. So the first hour would have been at 6, so 6 till 6, 12 hours. So the 10th hour works back from 6 at night to 4 p.m. So this would have been 4 p.m. when Jesus walked by. They looked at him and they spent the rest of the day with him, just the next few hours. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? I mean, imagine walking with Jesus and him showing you, oh, this is where I'm staying at the moment. Wow. Gee. I would have loved to know what happened there and what they said. And, but I guess it would have been just like for us who have received and believed and put our faith in him and he comes to us today. And we have fellowship with him and we pray and we read and we know him. And perhaps it was just like him showing where, they, where he lived and them fellowshipping with him like we can today when Jesus says, come and see. But I think so many people never come and see Jesus. I mean, they might start attending church or reading the Bible or being part of a small group or even doing something to serve. But when it comes to actually receiving and believing and knowing Jesus and spending time in his word and praying and asking him for help with their fears and with their struggles, and I think this is key for being a follower of Jesus. Come and see, know Jesus, have him as your friend and personal saviour and live each day with him. The second thing that happens is not only do they, does Jesus say that his followers in this passage to come and see, but then it's like, go and bring. Go and bring. Look what happens. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And he brought him to Jesus. So, so the first thing is come and see. The second thing that this passage shows us is not only already come and see and abide and remain in Jesus and know him, but we're also to go and bring. And, and the natural outflow of seeing Jesus and meeting him and understanding that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, and starting to get to know more about him was to go and tell those that he loved dearly, his brother, and he bought him. And he's Andrew, the very first person who would take someone along. Come and meet Jesus. Come and see Jesus. Come and, come and know more about him. Come and get to know him. Andrew, the first of so many right down through the ages. And what a first convert it was. What a first one that would begin starting to follow Jesus. This is his, you even notice how the text write, reads it, Andrew. And if you don't know who Andrew is, because he's probably someone you probably wouldn't know, we'll let you know who he is. He's actually Simon Peter's brother. And everyone will go, oh, we all know Simon Peter. We don't know Andrew that well. But oh, now that you say Simon Peter's brother, because Simon Peter became Peter the rock. And remember Jesus said, and you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And Peter became one of the great church leaders in the early stages of the church. Such an incredible, incredible follower. I want you to notice here that when it comes to go and bring, he didn't start an evangelism mission, you know. Didn't even have tracks and give them out and start up a big, you know, song and dance and do everything. He just went to his brother, for crying out loud. You know me, Andrew. Oh, you know me, Simon. Of course you know. You, I've met the Messiah. He's the one. He seems to be the one. I've got to know him. And look, come and see him. Come and see. It wasn't a, he didn't have to wait until he had all this theological knowledge building. He just said, come and see. I've met Jesus. He's, he's changed my life. He's changing my life. He's the Messiah. And I think right around us are people who can see whether we're general, gen, genuinely coming and seeing Jesus, whether we really know Jesus, whether we love him, whether we talk with him daily, whether we pray, whether he makes a difference in our life. 
And I think when people see that you do know Jesus and you love him, they want to find out more. And coming and seeing is, and going and bringing is the most natural response to someone who sees changes in your life and Christ there. It's much easier to not change, isn't it? And to just go to church and invite people along to church or to invite them to a program. I think we should invite our friends to church. I think we should invite our friends to different things as well. But we should come and see and that should be the overflow that helps when people do come to church. They actually see each other and we love Jesus and it's real and it's genuine and we're growing in that way. Come and see, go and bring. Start with our family, start with our friends and then try and... Try and share it with everyone that we can. But this was the most natural beginning for just a brother who loved his brother and he brought him along. Come and see. Go and bring. And when people come to Jesus, I just reckon you just got to let, let God do whatever he wants to do with those that become followers of Jesus. Uh, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter, which means the rock. So here's Peter, who was once Simon, comes to Jesus, he gives him a whole new name, and names are important, means a whole new identity and a whole new of what you will become what Jesus sees when he looks at this guy is all of his potential and what he can become. Think of your friends, think of your family, think of you, what you were before you came to know Jesus and what Jesus has declared about you. You're no longer, no condemnation for you. You're my child. You, know, you have hopes and a future. And when Jesus looks at us, we can become all that God made us to be. We can become all that he wants us to be as we trust in him and as we look to him and as we allow him to give us a new identity and a new future. That can be for your friends and for your family. So, so pray. Pray that God would help you to have an impact on them. I wonder to you, for you this morning, how are you going with the come and see? When you think about your life right now, would you know Jesus? I mean, would you say that you talk to him regularly? Or would you say that you're reading God's word, that you're praying, that when it comes to you know, your life, that you're talking with him about it and asking for guidance? Uh, when it comes to your finances or your health or your struggles, are you talking to him? Are you asking for strength? Are you praying and living your life with Christ as a real genuine presence in your life? Maybe you need to spend more time thinking about the come and see, enjoying the presence of Jesus who says to whoever believed, to whoever received, he gave the right to become children of God. How's it going to come and see? Other question is, how are you going with the go and bring? Because if you're saying, well, look, I'm not really praying for other friends or I'm not really uh, you know, looking out and seeing if I can come and bring them to Jesus, then it may be that the go and see, the come and see is not as vibrant and you know, needs work too. It might be that you're saying, I love Jesus and I listen to him, but my life is just so busy with all the, all the come and see things, you know, with all the church activities and all the other things that I'm busy, or my life is just so busy. I've taken on a second job and now I've got three kids and four, and we can't even get, we don't even know anyone. I mean, we don't have time to have friends around. You know, I just reckon we've got to start to really ask the question, how can I be friends and make, have relationships with people that don't know Jesus so I can get close enough to, for them to see Christ living in me and I can say, you know, bring them. I can go and bring them to Jesus. Maybe some real changes need to take place in your life. I, I want to say I really feel 
that God is working greatly in our midst. I've been feeling for quite some time that God is wanting to increase in our church the level of come and see, (laughs) the level of passionate love for Jesus amongst us. I, I really believe that what God has been saying amongst us in these last months, this last year, is that he wants to bring us closer and closer into personal intimacy with Christ, to know him more, to love him more. And I think nothing would please his heart than seeing, you know, a hundred of us to go from, you know, maybe five, a level of five in intimacy with Jesus to go up to a nine. I just think that would please the heart of Christ for us to to be growing and deepening and strengthening our relationship with him. And I think that if that would happen, the go and bring would become just so much more effective as we spill out with the love of Jesus on people that we meet at work and our neighbours and our friendships. So what about you? I mean, would it be that if you prayed and said, God, help me come and see you every day, help me abide in you, help me pray, would it be that you might be one that goes from, say, a five to a nine? But what, what's stopping you? Why couldn't you be one of those? Why couldn't you be one of those that in the next few months just sees a rapid increase in your prayer life, in your quiet times, in your trust and faith levels, in your stepping out and saying, Jesus, I just want to do whatever you want me to. I'm going to come and see. I'm going to come and see. Because I think God is looking for a church, for a group of people that would just be wanting to grow so much. In the next few months, we're going to give you more and more opportunities together as a church, to pray, to read God's word, together to encourage you. Uh, We're going to try and see that we might be able to create such an environment where you could just thrive and grow in your love for him. And so in your daily life, you could come and bring, come and meet Jesus, come and see him, come and see what the difference is in, in my life. I love him, I know him. As we close today, question is, Have you given your life to Jesus? That's the first step. People are giving their lives in our church all the time. Uh, Three people making their testimony next next Sunday night and being baptised. Members joining the church. This is an exact environment for for you to hear Jesus say, come and see. Have you responded? Have you said, I want want you to be the Lamb of God who takes away my sin. I want to put my faith and trust in you. There's no reason why today you, you couldn't make that decision and do that. It might be that you now have said, yeah, I've been just going along, cruising along, but I haven't been seeing, you know, the abiding, the remaining of Christ in my life as a Christian, and I want God to renew me and strengthen me. I want to be one of those that move from five to nine. Well, why don't you today make that decision that, God, I'm going to, I'm going to open up my life to being more intentional about you being every, part of every part of my life. And maybe for you, that some of you that already feel that's what it is. Every day you're praying and you're knowing and growing closer. Maybe it might be God saying to you today, you know, what's that next step where I might maybe mentor others or, or maybe it might be time for going on a mission trip or to help lead more and more and more people around me to just come and see, to come and see. Let's pray together, shall we, church? God, we know that this morning as there are almost 7 billion people in our world and that there are 35,000 in Wodonga, 50 in Albury. We know that you want people to come and see. And God, may we be those who, having come and seen and know you, Be those who come and go and bring others to come to know you. Lord, may our life and our love for you just be so obvious and evident that people would want to know who it is we know that makes such a difference. God, today, for those that might just respond to you for the first time, we thank you. We ask that you would strengthen them as they respond to your invitation to come and see.
And Lord, for us, we pray that you would help us to know you and love you deeply every day and to grow deeper and deeper so that we might see you reigning in every part of our life. And God, we pray for our family and our friends and our loved ones that they would come to know you. And just like Peter, that you would give them a new name and a new identity in Christ and a new calling for the rest of their days. Thank you, God. Thank you that you've given us the invitation. We respond. Now we want to go and tell. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you'd just like to take your blue cards, they're in your...